The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle's got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. We hope you are having a fantastic morning. Hope that your coffee is hot, your tea is hot. Also, we hope the chili is hot. Shout out to Coach Eckler. Big McKee, Go Vols 247. I am Jason Swain, live from the Low T Center Studio. Well, Ben, it's good to see you, man. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, can't complain, my friend. We are past SEC Media Days. We are around the corner from Tennessee football reporting for fall camp. Man, I couldn't, I couldn't be better, man. We are closer and closer. This is the best time of the year. Fall is approaching. Does it feel like a little bit outside right now? But like. Fall is approaching, man. It's approaching. And uh, it's the best time of the year for me, man. Best best weather, um, best sports. And here soon, we will uh, be going to games and, and seeing folks that have traveled hundreds of miles to come see Tennessee play. And uh, that's, that's what it's all about, man. It'll start first game in Nashville. Uh, last week was in Nashville for SEC Media Days. It was really cool to see all the hard-hitting, big-time media folks that cover this this conference. And so, man, there's, there's a lot to talk about today, a lot to get to today. Um, what's up with Maui Ahuna? I got to ask you about that because he has until 5 o'clock today to sign with the San Francisco Giants, the, the team that drafted him in the fourth round. What's going on there? Tennessee is set to possibly get another commitment, this time in the defensive backfield, where Tennessee is fighting for Kai Bates along with LSU. We'll get to that. But first, Ben McKee, the topic today, my friend, because a lot of people are talking. It's talking season, man. It's been like It's been that way for the last couple of months especially last week. It is talking season. Can Tennessee win a title? With Josh Heupel using the offense system that he uses. Josh Heupel's offense, there's people on the opposite ends of this debate. You get fans from different fan bases and I guess media folks that are trying to climb that ladder. I don't know. Trying to pick apart Tennessee's offense 
what's bad about it. Why is it not good as other offenses? Just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad, uh, but it works for Tennessee. But can it produce a national championship? Because that's that's the next step after the next step. Because the next step is is getting to Atlanta, winning a conference championship, getting to the show. That's the next step. But the next step after that is actually winning it. Can Tennessee do that? Do that running this current offensive system. So that's one question that we will uh, talk about today. And then the other, Ben McKee. Ooh. Ooh. Is Tennessee style of play a factor for Is Tennessee style of play hurting recruiting in the trenches? So those are legitimate questions as, as we are approaching the end uh, of summer and football calendar world. These guys, when they um, get on campus, summer's over. It's football time. It's fall. It might say somewhere on the, on the calendar, but it's fall for them. Uh, so it's an appropriate question there. Then also, I mean, this Tennessee offense can't produce a championship. So, Ben, we'll start with can Tennessee win a title under Josh Heupel's system. Now, the free sweating for app for Android Apple devices, you can listen to the show. You can go straight to YouTube from the app. You can also text the show, comments, questions. Um, The text box is brought to you by Beatty Chevrolet. Celebrating 90 years of great customer service. You're not in business that long unless you're doing things the right way. That's Beatty Chevrolet. July, big red tag sale. All inventory marked down with their best price on the windshield. Get your biggest savings on their largest inventory in years, up to $10,000 off. Go to BayChevrolet.com. Ben McKee, when I drop the question, when you hear the question, can Tennessee win a title with Josh Heupel's system? What comes to mind? Well, first I want to backtrack a a little bit and echo for a quick second your sentiments about this being – the best time of the the year the uh last week of july august first couple of weeks of september that kind of time frame uh, where the anticipation of a football season is is about to begin uh, college football is the absolute best and uh, i am i'm very very excited i, I kind of took the weekend um to to not do anything work-wise and, and part of that was knox turned one on Sunday, so happy birthday to, to Little Knox. We we had a birthday party in Huntsville on Saturday. That was real nice and, and real cool. Uh, it it's cool to see the personality that that he's developing, and, and can't believe he's a one year old already. That that just blows my mind. Uh, excited to to spend some ninety minutes with you on your birthday on Thursday. Oh, yeah. um, so th- this is a this is a fun time getting to to celebrate birthdays, and uh, a week from today, fall camp begins and. And then here in just over a month, I guess five weeks or so, uh, Vol Nation and the Tennessee contingent will be heading west to watch Tennessee play Vanderbilt or uh, Virginia 
so used to saying Vanderbilt, uh, to play Virginia in Nissan Stadium. So uh, it, it is the best time of the year for sure. Uh, I absolutely think that Tennessee can win a national championship under Josh Heupel. I, I think the questions that people are raising, I, I think they're fair questions, uh, to be perfectly honest. I, I do. I, I don't think uh, – and first, I think it's a compliment to to Josh Heupel that it, it's a question to begin with. I, I think it may come off as a as a disrespectful question or a, a disrespectful tone. Uh, when, when you kind of is Josh Heupel capable of winning a national championship? People are having this conversation because of the success that he's had to this point, and, and really he's so so far ahead of schedule going into year three. I think it's a compliment that we're already having uh, this conversation. So do want to say that, um, but I, I do absolutely think that that Josh Heupel can can win a national championship. I, I've kind of made these points throughout the summer, Swain. Uh, just simplistically speaking, and I'm sure we'll get into the details more in depth about uh, maybe the, the the question marks that people have about Josh Heupel uh, and whether or not he can win a national championship. But I say yes for the simple reasons of he's at Tennessee, and at Tennessee you have the resources to, to win a national championship, uh, and that's NIL, that's a, a strong recruiting base. Sure, you're not in the state of Georgia in the Atlanta area. You, you may not be in Florida. You may not be in Louisiana, uh, but Nashville is growing like crazy. And you see year after year, Tennessee landing big time prospects out of the mid state. Just look like, just look what they're doing in the linebacker room. The last couple of years out of the mid state with Elijah Herring, with Arian Carter, with now Edwin Spillman. Uh, so uh, Tennessee may not be what some other States are, but it, it's still, in my opinion, a, a nice, foundation uh and and then you're able to tap into the carolinas and georgia and alabama and mississippi and louisiana and even go up to kentucky uh, ohio so uh, I, I think there's a nice recruiting base that you can recruit well to especially in the day and age of, of nil it's no secret that tennessee is as in good a position as any school in the country when it comes to nil and unfortunately that is a big part of today's college football so uh, just the resources uh, to be able to to have the Jimmies and Joes. I think Tennessee absolutely checks that box. The fan base and the passion of the fans, that is there. The facilities, those are there. Yeah, there's some tweaks and some upgrades that are needed to be made, but Tennessee is in the process of, of doing those things to Neyland Stadium, to the football facility. Uh, so I, I check off the facilities box, and uh, I think the two most important things – a, the culture, I, I will be stunned if if Josh Heupel's culture is never where it needs to be, both with his coaching staff. Just look at it this past summer. Yeah, one coach leave. One coach on the field, coach leave. And I, I think that says a lot, especially, again, in today's day and age of college football where coaches are bouncing around like crazy. You, you had one leave, which I, I, I think speaks to the fact that these coaches like coaching for, for Coach Heupel. Uh, and then also the culture within the locker room amongst the players. I, I think we've seen the last two years and now going into this year, it'll be battle tested. We'll, we'll see uh, the proof in the pudding. But I, I think the culture is in an absolutely amazing spot. And I think that it always will be just because Josh Heupel being a former national championship winning quarterback, he 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 has that personality. He knows how to lead. And, and I think that is so important uh, for a head coach to, to have. And, and he certainly has that. So. To me, he checks off all the boxes and the X's and O's part. And last but not least, 
uh, the X's and O's on the field. Now, that is kind of where people start to question Josh Heupel uh, and, and whether or not he can can win a national championship. Um, you know, uh, can can this style of play be consistent throughout the course of a season, especially now that the, the playoffs are being expanded? You're going to have to win more football games. Can this brand of football, because it is different, and that's okay, but it is different. Can it be consistent to, to go win a national championship? And, and I do think that's a fair question, but I also think it's unfair to point out that, well, his system wasn't perfect last season and it had a hiccup. Okay, yeah, it had a hiccup, but I, I thought that South Carolina loss was more, and the Georgia loss, was more about being in year two than maybe Josh Heupel's system not being where where it needs to be, uh, if that makes sense. So I do think, again, this is where people kind of start to question whether or not Heupel can win a championship. But I do think X's and O's wise that Heupel and his staff is, is really, really great in that area on the offensive side of the ball, obviously. Uh, and I do have a level of trust in Tim Banks and, and the defense. And and I think their issue is they, they just need to – they are going into year three. That That's where you're still seeing the program kind of rebuild uh, because it's not a system like the offense to where it, it can kind of speed past some speed bumps uh, within the rebuilding process. So uh, I, I think the defense, it, it is going to get there at some point with the way that they're recruiting, the way that they develop. I, I think the defense is going to be a championship caliber uh, defense will it be at the level of kind of Alabama and Georgia and LSU that we've seen in the past? I don't know, but does it need to be under Josh Heupel to win a national championship with the way the offense produces points? I think that's an interesting question. So, uh, long-winded answer right there at the end of saying I, I I do think they they check the X's and O's boxes as well, which is just as important as any. Good stuff by you. Uh, you mentioned the coach that left. That coach left for head coaching job. So that was Alex Golish. And uh, when you have assistant coaches leaving and getting head coaching job, that's going to be attractive to other assistant coaches. Now, we have seen where Josh Heupel has promoted from within on two separate occasions in two years with Kelsey Pope um, and then, you know, Abe Ablin. Yeah, uh, as Heidi Ann's coach. And so the last two moves have been from within. So are you, are you going to get a spot on Tennessee staff? Uh, if there's an opening, uh, I don't know, but um, the point you were making is that it's healthy. It's, it's healthy. The situation with Tennessee's coaching staff is in a good place. It's not a revolving door um, like we've seen in the past. Ben, you gave him a lot. I mean, I can make it really simple. Clemson Tigers. That's why Tennessee can win a championship using Josh Heupel's system. Um, did Clemson, when they won one with Deshaun Watson in 2016-17 and then the other with Trevor Lawrence 2018-2019, um, was it an up-tempo offense? No. But it was spread. It was spread offense. And the tempo is something that you control. You control. You can decide to go fast. You can decide to go slow. We've seen that in two years where Tennessee's had to lead 
uh, late in games. We've seen where Tennessee had unsuccessful one or two offensive drives prior and wanted to help the defense get a little rest so they didn't go as fast. So we've seen Tennessee control the football game by deciding to slow the tempo down when they wanted to. And we've seen them speed the tempo up also when they wanted to. So a lot of emphasis is put on the tempo as if it's something that can't be adjusted, something that can't be uh, altered at any point of the game when Josh Heupel decides to do that. The reason for the tempo is to force mistakes by the defense. They don't have enough time to get lined up. Uh, Fatigue is a factor. Um, We want to keep guys on the football field if we see a matchup that is an advantage for us. And so uh, if you are in a light running defense, well, we're going to run the football. You get caught on the football field with a bunch of defensive backs that that can't stop the run, we're going to run it. You get caught with a bunch of guys that are trying to stop the run and unable to play in space, then we're going to throw it out to the perimeter. We're going to throw it down the football field. So it's about creating matchups and controlling the game. This notion that that this is all Josh Heupel has known and this is all that Josh Heupel can do, you might want to go do some research. You might want to do your research before you get on social media and you start hitting sand before you start having debates with your friends and other college football fans, because Josh Heupel put up a half a hundred as the offense coordinator in Missouri at home versus us 2017. Now, Will McBride was the quarterback for Tennessee, but Will McBride wasn't playing defense either. And, that was the season that was an absolute nightmare. So I think we try to forget a lot about that season, man. But I remember that season. And I don't remember that Mizzou offense going as fast as this Tennessee offense has, has gone in two years. The reason why is because Josh Heupel had a defensive-minded head coach. A defensive-minded head coach. A defensive-minded head coach ain't going to let Josh Heupel run that offense that he's running here at Tennessee and Barry Odom. But Barry Odom let Heupel do his thing. Running the spread, you had Drew Locke as your quarterback. <laughs> he was unbelievable that year. The next year, Heupel goes to Central Florida. Dooley is the offense coordinator. Drew Locke is not as good, but they still beat us the same. They just beat us at home, which made it even worse. They put 100 points on us in two years. But Josh Heupel was a part of that in 2017. So I look at Clemson and what Clemson did to Alabama in the 2016-2017 national title game. This is the reason for tempo. Alabama had some trouble. Jalen Hurts was was the quarterback. Um, They didn't do really a good job offensively as part of it. But Clemson ran 99 total plays, Ben McGee. 99 total plays. And that Alabama defense was gas. And when you become fatigued, that's when you start making mistakes. That's when you are 
a step slow. That's when you're not wrapping up as well as you did in the first quarter. The legs start getting heavy. You start making mistakes, and then the offense capitalizes. So, yeah, Clemson didn't run an up-tipple offense, but they ran a spread offense like Tennessee runs, but we just really, really spread it out. And we'll throw the ball across the yard. And if you have a quarterback like Tennessee is going to have, and you got some playmakers on the outside like Tennessee is going to have, you have a chance. The question is, it's not about Josh Heupel's offensive system, Ben McKee. It's about defensively, are you going to recruit the same way that Clemson did with dudes Dexter Lawrence and 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 Jordan Wilkins and and those dudes, Isaiah Simmons, who's a freak coming out of Clemson, was drafted in the first round by by the Cardinals. Are you going to recruit those guys? That's the question. It's not about Tennessee's offensive system. It's the defense. Are you going to get dudes in the trenches? Well, yes, you're absolutely right. And we kind of touched on this a a couple of weeks ago when I went on my rant about whether or not (laughs) uh, recruiting success. I'm I'm sure those who are loyal listeners to the show, A, we appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying your summer. But uh, I'm I'm sure they remember uh, my my rant. Uh, and, And I did not disagree with you in the moment. Like, hey, Tennessee needs more elite trench players like I I do agree with that assessment for sure and I know that we've kind of posed these two questions as separate questions and I sent these questions to you yesterday because I thought it was a fascinating uh, conversation to be completely honest I heard Cole Kublik talking about it with Greg McElroy and I thought "Hmm, this is an interesting conversation to have Um, but the more I thought about it throughout the day yesterday Swain uh, and the more I think about it right now as as we talk about it i think the they they should not be maybe two questions being asked i kind of think that they go hand in hand right Uh, because at the end of the day the jimmies and the joes they're they're going to have a a large say in how successful you are on the field i mean it's it's as simple as that uh we, we see year in and year out the teams at the very top of the recruiting rankings they are typically the ones that are winning the national championships and, and winning their conference championships. I mean, it, it is it is a direct correlation. It, it absolutely is. Now, and I've, I've said this recently, and I know you shared this sentiment, does, does Tennessee need to be one or two? No, I don't think so. Uh, with Josh Heupel's system, I, I think if you're in that at minimum five to eight range and you develop your players to, to the best of their ability, you, you get the most out of the recruits that you're bringing in. Uh, your game plans from week to week are on point, and the scheming and the X's and O's, if, if you're checking off those boxes, then I think you can win a national championship with a recruiting class in the 5 to 10 range, probably at minimum. And, and who knows? Maybe you could test that theory by being 10th to 15th. I wouldn't suggest trying to test the theory in, in, the, in that way, but I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if, if – somebody pulled it off I, I think it would take a an offensive system like Heupel's to pull it off 
Um, but again, I, I wouldn't recommend that. So I, I think it goes hand in hand, Swain. And, and you know, you you talk to people who know football way better than I do on a more consistent basis. Your teammates and and, and people even outside of Knoxville. Uh, you talk to the Cole Kubiks more than than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do wonder. I don't think that we've seen Tennessee struggle with offensive line recruiting as much as that theory is out there. Again, I, I listed it off a couple of podcasts ago, right? Like they beat out William, they beat out Clemson for William Satterwhite. They beat out Oklahoma for Max Anderson and his brother <laughs> plays for Oklahoma. Like you, you're beating out some big time programs for, for, for big time offensive linemen just because they're not a five star or the number one tackle in the country, like a Wanya Morris or Darnell Wright doesn't mean that that Tennessee is struggling uh, up front along the offensive line. Should they go land maybe an elite offensive tackle? Absolutely. Like, yeah, that that's the wish list every single year. But I do wonder if what is preventing Tennessee from getting the guy that's a bona fide five-star uh, equivalent to Mike Matthews in the rankings compared to the other guys who I mentioned, like, again, there's nothing wrong with bringing in William Satterwhite or Max Anderson. Those are top 150, 180, 200 players. Like they're, they're really good prospects, but they're, they're also, I recognize that they're also not the bona fide elite five-star prospects. And I do wonder Swain is Hypo's system that doesn't really ask a lot from its offensive linemen up front. And, And it's kind of the same with the receivers. Like the receivers aren't asked to do a ton but I think how they combat that in the recruiting process is like, hey, look at Jalen Hyatt. Look at Valus Jones. Look at look at how many balls they caught. Look how many touchdowns Jalen Hyatt scored against Alabama. Look at the trophy that he had at the end of the year. Like that's how you combat that is like, okay, like, yeah, we, we may not ask you to do a ton, and I don't think they're admitting that in the recruiting process. But, hey, you're going to catch a lot of footballs here, and you're going to have great quarterbacks throwing you the football in the process. But up front along the offensive line, I I, I do wonder – Again, I don't think that they're struggling like people make it out to be up front along the offensive line. But in terms of landing that elite offensive tackle, I do wonder if the the lack of, you know, traditional offensive line play that may develop you for, for the league a little bit better. Uh, I, I do wonder if that is hurting them. Now, I don't see how that can be hurting them on the recruiting trail right now when Tennessee just took a five star prospect that was struggling to find his footing before the staff got here in Darnell Wright. Like Darnell Wright was nowhere near the football player this past season when Josh Heupel's coaching staff got here. Like there's no doubt about it that Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel, they, they developed Darnell Wright. So I, I don't, I also, on the other hand, don't see how you can't look at that situation and see that Darnell Wright absolutely became a better offensive lineman under Josh Heupel in Josh Heupel's system and was the number 10 overall pick and and is probably going to be starting in the league as a rookie. So I think that is a fascinating conversation. Again, I don't know offensive line play. I'm not going to pretend to know offensive line play, but I do wonder if the getting the ball out quickly and and the non-traditional way of playing offensive line, if that's fair to say, I I do wonder if if that is at least a, a thought in the head of elite offensive linemen who are considering Tennessee. 865-255-03. We'll go to the phones. We'll take a break. And then when we come back, I got um, some thoughts on 
offensive tackle and your point about recruiting those top tier guys and you know Darnell Wright being a guy that was able to benefit in the last year at Tennessee. But let's go to the phones and uh, good morning. Who do we have with us? Swain, Ben, it's Jay. What's going on? What's up, Jay? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, brother. I'm good. Enjoying this beautiful morning. Hey, uh, man, when you talk to Kevin Simon, you tell him that man's got a voice for radio. He's missing his calling. Uh, man, he's doing it. I mean, he's on there. <laughs> hey, we're trying to get him on more and more, but, yeah he, yeah, he has a voice for radio for sure, man. Absolutely. You know, um, I, it, it's weird because I actually wanted to call and talk about this, and y'all are talking about it with Josh Heupel's offense. Mm-hmm. Um, his offense seems to get – heavily criticized you any anytime his offense is mentioned go look at the replies there's going to be about 187 georgia fans replying oh yeah um they, but, think, they uh, think it was our offense uh, why they they beat us my god That's i mean they, it, they are they are obsessed with this offense but you know nobody talks I don't I don't remember it but I don't remember people criticizing Art Baylor or Art Baylor Art Bryles like this when he basically took over the Big 12 but I was watching SEC media days and um you know Jordan Rogers was really obviously very high on Joe Milton but Greg McElroy, Takeo Spikes, Roman Harper they talk about this offense like well it's you know it's only a matter of time before they figure this out like this is this is going to get figured out. SEC coordinators are going to figure this out, and it's just weird because you look at the track record Heupel has. I mean, he's got a really good track record of producing high level offenses, but nobody talks about Lane Kiffin's offense. Like nobody says, well, you know, I mean, when people figure out that Lane Kiffin offense, you know, what's he going to do then? Like nobody talks about Kiffin that way, and there's a lot of similarities between their offenses Kiffin was on there talking about how he tempo is important and how he likes to use tempo and all this stuff but I I just don't understand why I know he's different with his splits and stuff but it's just it's like he's held to a different standard than other people who do similar things maybe I'm being a little sensitive but uh it's just kind of how I – that's the takeaway that I had with, with Media Day. Yeah, I mean, so Jeff Lebby was the offense coordinator at Ole Miss. Jeff Lebby is the son-in-law of Art Browse. Jeff Lebby was at Central Florida with Josh Heupel. And so they all run some variation of what Art Browse did at Baylor. And then they're going to put their own twist on um, – their offense, but you know the base of it is what Art Browse did, um, and so there. That's why there's so many similarities. Watching that 2021 Ole Miss Tennessee game, it was like watching it was like watching an inner squad scrimmage from a offensive scheme standpoint because they were basically doing the same thing. Um, it was the players that made the plays that ultimately decided the outcome uh, of, of the game, but. I disagree with with that panel um, that says it's only a matter of time before defenses figure it out. Yeah, I mean, well, and here's the thing. There's a lot of tape on this offense. I mean, you know, Heupel's been here for two years. He was at UCF. He has tape there. 
There's a lot of tape from Baylor. It, you know, it, it hasn't really been figured out yet. And, you know, he went to, he played Clemson with basically backups and, and beat the dog snot out of them. And Dabo Sweeney, uh, you know, thought we just flipped burgers and uh, he got a taste of that offense up close and personal. And then all of a sudden he makes a change and you have the Clemson quarterback saying, we want to do something more like what Tennessee did. I mean, it, it's just, I just don't under, I, I don't understand it. People act like it's just an offense that's just so dumbed down and so just, uh, you know, remedial that it's just going to get figured out eventually and he's going to be in trouble. And I, I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand why they talk about him like that, and that's just something that I think is is uh, it, it's fascinating. And um, you know, it's there's a lot of college offenses out there that aren't traditional pro style offenses. And when you look at, I think Ben made a great point with Darnell Wright. Uh, you look at, I mean, Hendon Hooker was not getting drafted before he came to Tennessee. Uh, Joe Milton has a real chance to not only get drafted, I mean, with his talent, I mean, we could be talking about a first-round draft pick. Jordan Rodgers is not wrong. Like, if Joe Milton has a good year with his size and arm strength, you mean, I mean, they talk themselves into Anthony Richardson. Uh, Joe Milton is just as big or bigger. He's got a just as big or bigger arm, and he's going to have a better tape. He's going to have better stats if he has the year that he hopes to have. Yeah, that's gonna be. I mean, like, do they not get credit for any of that? That's that's what I want to know. No, you know? Joe, I so mean Joe has to go do it, but but Joe, yeah. Joe has been compared to Anthony Richardson, not in terms of like the top to bottom athletic ability, but the chance to put himself in position to get drafted high off one season and the ceiling being high. I mean, Joe still has a high ceiling; he hasn't tapped his potential at all. And so, there's so many things you can do with a guy with that type of arm. You look at Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills when he came out of Wyoming. So, like, they both have high ceilings, I think. Um, well, and, and Swain, was, is Urban Meyer offense a traditional pro-style offense? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't at all. I mean, but nobody was out here, you know, saying the things they're saying about him. They weren't They weren't saying about Josh High. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I get, I get it, man. I get it. It's just the, weird. It's the just, conversation it's just really is weird. not about his offense. That, that, that's that's what people are missing the mark. Like, can he win a championship with that offense? That that's not the the question. The question is, can he have the defensive line mm-hmm. and the players in the trenches? That will determine if he can win a championship. Because Urban Meyer had dudes in the trenches. I remember playing them mm-hmm. in two thousand and six yep. when they won a championship, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we didn't score like we did in the first half because mm-hmm. we didn't have time. As simple as that. Mm-hmm. They had NFL dudes. They had pro dudes up front, and they they took it. They took it to us. Um, that's the question. Clemson, when they won their two championships, you can go look at all those players drafted. A lot of, you know, Cleveland Farrell and and Dexter Lawrence and and guys up front that made a difference. Yeah, you had your quarterbacks and your running backs and receivers making plays on the outside, but defensively, man, they were stopping the run and. And then creating havoc in the backfield um, all season long, and especially in those championship games. So, Jay, I, dude, good call, great call. Um, Thanks, buddy. That whole thing about 
figuring it out. We got two things to touch on. I disagree with anyone saying once defenses figure it out and catch up with Tennessee's offense, then Hyper's going to have some trouble. That whole figuring it out thing. Oh, I can't wait to come back uh, from break. So we'll we'll do that, man. We got we got to touch on that. That's that's hilarious. Figure it out. Figure it out, Ben McKee. Yeah, I don't know about that one, man. I don't know about that one. Figure it out, huh? Woo. 865-255-03. We will get back to the phones when we come back from break. It's Ben McKee, Go Balls 247. I am Jason Swain, live here in the Low T Central Studio. Swain Event is fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Stay with us. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Guys, if you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low-T. Schedule your annual health assessment at Low-T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low-T Center or you just need the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low-T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. That's Low-T Center. Reinventing men's health care Swain Event and SwainEvent.com fueled by Dead End Barbecue top 100 barbecue restaurant in America thank you for uh, being with us this morning alright let's get Quick phone call in here and let's bring in our guy Turkey Man who has been waiting patiently. Turkey Man, good morning. 
morning, guys. Thanks What's for up, taking man? my call, by the way. Hey, thanks for taking my call, and I always enjoy hearing Jay. And if Jay is out there, have him reach out and get your get my phone number from or, or call me. All right, Jay, it. you heard him. Hey, hey. Also, also, uh, I hear people talking about us uh, uh, ahead of schedule, but really and truly, Swain. We could have easily, easily been nine wins last year, and very if things went right, we could have been twelve wins this year. So I'm I'm just saying the the ceiling's really high, and also talking about defensive players, and something that nobody's really hit on that I've heard is if I was a defensive uh, player, I would want to be on Hypo's defense. Because, first of all, I know that teams are going to have to throw the ball to catch up with his offense, which means that I'd have a real good chance of having a, a heck of a career either in defensive in the backfield or a defensive lineman. And uh, that's not been shined on as far as I've heard. I'll get out. Talk to you later. All right, Tucker, man. Good stuff. I mean, I, I remember making that point last week one of the days about how you had a former head coach that wanted to be the defense coordinator at, at Tennessee when Tennessee was looking for a defense coordinator and Tennessee appeared to be having trouble getting one and folks were pointing to the offense system as, as being a reason why people didn't want to DC and I shared then and reiterated um lately had to be here, Josh Swain. I know it was here because I really, really went into detail. And um, there were there were former head coaches that wanted to be like by Petrino and be a DC here. So if you get up early, there's nothing better than playing defense for Tennessee because you have an opportunity to create turnovers like Tennessee did versus Kentucky, where Kentucky had to throw it. And Danico Slaughter made several plays. We, had, we created several turnovers. We had a bunch of sacks. That's the scenario you want. Um, Mizzou in the second half was similar. So I know for a fact we covered that, uh, Turkey Band. Um, so let's see here. The whole statement about figuring out Tennessee's offense, I, th- I find it hilarious uh, because at one point, I probably thought the same thing. When defense, when Tennessee, when, when Tennessee faces, you know, SEC teams that f- figure it out, what they're gonna do? It ain't about figuring it out. You can know what Tennessee is doing. It's not a math problem that that you don't know, and then when you know it, you're gonna be successful. No, like it's not a math problem. Josh Heupel was at Central Florida. You got three years of tape there. You had a year last year. You had four years of tape. So coaches know how to defend it. But knowing doesn't mean anything. You have to actually go do it. Your players have to go execute. And most of the teams at Tennessee will play do not have the personnel to stop Tennessee's offense. What do I mean? What kind of personnel do you have to have? 
well, you better have a pass rush. Like, the number one play that stands out to me in that Georgia game was the fact that we were backed up and they still got to Henry Hooker. And they forced a safety. Wouldn't call it safety, but it was a safety. Everyone in the building knows you got to get the ball out quick. Got to be quick. Hut, get the ball out. Everyone knows that. They still got to the quarterback. That was the play that reminded you where Tennessee is in relation to Georgia. That's the play for me. So if you're going to stop Tennessee's offense, you better have some dudes up front. Second, and this is where teams fall short because you're not going to have this type of personnel. You better have four to five DBs that are high quality. Four to five. Guys in space that can run, that can make tackles, that can cover, that's disciplined. That's what it takes. Look at the Georgia game. We wasn't getting open. When we did have time, we wasn't getting open because they had four to five dudes in that secondary that played well. South Carolina game. If you go look around the SEC at secondary players drafted in the last decade or two, there's three teams that stand out. Four. There's LSU. Remember Honey Badger and all those guys, Patrick Peterson. There's Florida. LSU and Florida had a little debate going on about who's DBU. There's Alabama, obviously. And then fourth, there's a sneaky fourth. That fourth is South Carolina. South Carolina's put some DBs in the league, y'all, in the last two decades. So they got good DBs. They just had one draft really high this past season. And they did a great job on Tennessee this past season. That was the two losses right there. So, folks know what to do. You don't think Mark Stoops knew what to do? But his players were in mud trying to run without Tennessee, without receivers in that Kentucky game. You don't think Nick Saban knew what to do? You, th- you think Nick Saban was unprepared? No. They didn't have enough dudes in the back end that could run and cover. What teams out here are recruiting depth in the secondary like Georgia? Not many. Maybe Alabama. And on a good day, like South Carolina, where you play your absolute best, you you might be able to catch Tennessee. Might be able to catch Tennessee slipping. Defense, we didn't come ready to play either. If the defense would have done anything in that game, Tennessee still would have had a chance to win because offensively, you were moving the ball too. The defense just put the offense in so so many problems because we didn't stop a nosebleed. So we had to score every possession and couldn't kick field goals. So that's my thing about figuring out. All right, Ben, last point I'll make about the whole tackle stuff. Offensive tackles. Offensive line recruiting. I don't really care if it's a five-star. I I, I don't. But here's what I do care about. 
question I have is, is that tackle, is he a pro-quality tackle? What does that mean? In three to four years, is he a NFL-caliber tackle? That's all I care about. I don't care if he's a three-star, four-star, five-star. I don't care. Do you see him playing at the next level in three to four years? If that answer is yes, that's what I want. And I don't know if Tennessee has gotten that yet in this recruiting cycle from the high school ranks. If we fail to do that, then we will go back to the portal like we did when we got John Campbell. The portal allows us to not find our guy in the high school ranks, even though that is the ideal outcome. But the portal allows you to fall softly. All right, you didn't get your guy in high school. Well, go to the portal. The thing about the portal is you're going to get someone that physically is more developed than any high school player is going to be. Like, I know Darnell Wright was a high schooler and playing. But he still was a freshman. He still didn't hit a college weight room all season. The only person I saw is on two people, only two freshmen I've seen since 2003. As freshmen come in on the offensive line and physically look like they've been in the weight room the whole entire time. Trey Smith and Aaron Sears. Correct. There it is. Didn't even talk about it. You answered it. What? And... I, I've I've heard Cole Kublik say for years now because I I, I saw Volstorm um propping you up yesterday on, on social media. Uh my favorite college football personality is Cole Kublik. I, I, I think Cole is the, the best at covering the SEC as a whole uh and is the most insightful in terms of personnel on roster to roster because he studies it more than anybody and he is brilliant mm-hmm. X's and O's wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for somebody like me who did not play at a, at a high level whatsoever and do not have the football knowledge that I wish that I did have, uh, he does a great job of explaining it for dummies like myself. So Cole is my favorite uh, college football personality. Um, but he, I've heard him say for years that that people don't realize just how difficult it is to come in and play offensive line as a true freshman. I mean, go back and look at Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright. Remember oh. them as freshmen? These guys are five stars. That that was the narrative. These guys are five stars. We're not coaching these guys up. Are are they even good enough? Are, are man, Tennessee always gets the wrong five stars. How is this possible? It, it's we we get these five stars, but they never work out. Remember that? That was the narrative. Th- that season when Wanye and Darnell were, were five stars. And, and then all of a sudden Darnell's the number 10 overall pick in the draft. And Wanye, he got drafted, correct? Um, I'm 99.9% sure he got drafted. I mean, he was good at Oklahoma. I, uh, he wasn't first round good, but he was a good college football player at Oklahoma. Yeah, I kind of, I ain't going to lie, man. I kind of just stopped paying attention to one year more. So I mean, I, I obviously I did too. I, I don't know for sure that he got drafted, and I have no idea what team he's playing for, but I'm 99.9% sure I saw that he got drafted at some point. Uh, Third round. Yeah, third see, team. and that is really good. <laughs> A third-round pick is is really, really good. Uh, So it, it takes time for these guys to develop. I mean, even if – even if Tennessee is able to land a five-star offensive lineman, like there's no guarantee that he's going to come in and, and play right away. Swain, you mentioned 
the fact that uh, Aaron Sears and, and Trey Smith were, were the only ones who were physically ready. I mean, how many true freshman offensive linemen have we seen contribute in a positive manner the last 10, 15, 20 years? I mean, if, if we made a list, I mean, it, it, I bet we wouldn't get past five names of true freshmen that have contributed successfully. Not saying that they have to be all SEC as a freshman, but somebody who came in and played a lot, started, and was not a liability. I mean, I I bet we couldn't name five of them from, we'll even say from your playing days, from like 2005 on. I bet we couldn't find five offensive linemen who have not been a liability as a true freshman. That, that played a ton. I mean, even we just, I just said it, Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright, they were liabilities as freshmen because it takes time to, to develop into a, a good offensive lineman. Like it's not because they're big and, and muscular and then they have an edge to them. That doesn't mean that they're going to come in and, and, and contribute right away in a positive manner. Like you, 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 it, it's a developmental position. Well, that's why it's important being that this recruiting class, you, you do get someone from high school because if John Campbell has a year that he wants to have, then he's going to be gone. And so you, you don't you don't get to a place on time unless you leave on time. My point is to time this up right to where you bring someone in, he develops physically, doesn't have to play, and then when guys who are playing, when they leave, now you're ready to plug and play. If you if you if you fail to have someone here on schedule, then you'll have to go back to the portal, and then you're just kicking the can down the road, and then you're trying to find guys from the portal that have multiple years instead of just you know one or two, and so that's that's why it's important. I'll make this last point about um, recruiting tackles, and then we'll get to the text box, and then we'll we'll move on. Um, negative recruiting happens. Everywhere, all the time, two four seven. You know Tennessee is being negative recruited. NCAA sanctions that angle didn't work out. Um, passed last week or two weeks ago because it's public what Tennessee's punishments will be. And so, what else can you point at? when trying to recruit against Tennessee on the offensive line. But you look at the NFL, and no one runs this offensive system. So put myself in the shoes of an opposing coach, I would probably say, well, how is Tennessee going to prepare you to play at the next level when no one does that at, at, at the NFL level? Well, Darnell Wright. And the question is fair, would Darnell Wright come to Tennessee now if he was coming out of high school? I don't know. Knowing Darnell Wright's personality, I would think culture is a big, 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 big part of why Darnell Wright still would have come to Tennessee. So Tennessee's recruiting linemen with culture, with the certainty that Glenn Ellaby will develop them into professional offensive linemen. I can't pretend to sit here and, and assume that offensive linemen love 
the tempo. Like, I, I don't know if offensive linemen in high school, top-tier offensive linemen are like, you know what? I really want to go to a system that I'm not used to playing in and probably going to be a big learning curve for me. But once you get on campus and you see the culture, you have a relationship with your position coach, you see the development is undeniable. All right. It may be worth being a little uncomfortable at the beginning to get used to how our offensive linemen operate during, during the game. It's really no different from a wide receiver because at the NFL level, you're not running the routes on a play-by-play basis that you run in Tennessee. So it's actually going to be a little bit easier for you when you get to the league because you're not running three routes in a minute because everyone is huddling, huddling up. So you got to put yourself in a, I think, in the mind of the opposing coaches to, to ask yourself, what, what would they say trying to recruit against Tennessee? They would try to try to pick holes uh, in the offense. And so uh, Tennessee has to recruit um, at a high level in the trenches. And, again, it's not about stars for me. It's about is a player, is he, is he pro quality? Is he a pro guy three to four years? If you say, if you say yes, you got to bring him in. Well, and, and Swain, I know we need to get to the text box and, and probably a break as as well. But to, to put a bow on the can – Hypo's system win a championship and the the whole recruiting aspect of of that question because again like I said earlier I think it goes hand in hand but I personally you tell me if you disagree with any of these I have not heard or seen anything that would suggest that Tennessee cannot develop offensive linemen that Tennessee cannot develop receivers I mean just in those two positions alone there are already several examples, if we're being completely honest, especially at, at offensive or uh, at rec- receiver with Valus Jones and Cedric Tillman and, and Jalen Hyatt. Like, those guys, their careers, they were on different trajectories before Hypo got here, and for different reasons. Like, Jalen Hyatt, he needed, he needed to mature. I think Hypo's culture benefited Jalen Hyatt more than anything football that was taught to him under this staff. Um, but that's still developing somebody. Different players need to be developed for different reasons. Uh, and Cedric Tillman and Valus Jones, they took off. R- Romel Keaton has taken off mm-hmm. uh, because of on-the-field football stuff. I think Brew McCoy's in that same conversation. I think Dante Thornton also may prove to be an example of that. Uh, and then along the offensive line, like obviously the big example is is Darnell Wright, but like Cooper Mays has gotten better each year. Cade Mays had his best year under this staff. Uh, Jerome Carvin got better and better over the course of, of his career. Spragans has gotten better each season. Like you see guys developing left and right. Uh, and I, I have not seen any, anything that would suggest that there's a position on the entire offense, tight end, O-line, quarterback, running back, receiver, where guys are not getting developed. The guys in those rooms, they're getting better year to year. Is a team going to have a, a perfect 100% success rate? No, because it, it just doesn't work like that. No school in the country has a, a perfect development success rate, if, if that's the way to, to call it. Like no, no team in the country is doing that. But for the most part, like guys are developing. And then even on the defensive side of the ball, like I, I just I think 
because of the success of last season, people think that Tennessee's only in year three. Like they're still trying to build up depth. They're, they're, they're still overhauling the, the culture on the defensive side of the ball. I think they had some additions by subtraction over the course of the offseason in terms of guys moving on that will help that defense. Uh, and it's still a young defense, so I still think it's a work in progress. But in terms of developing, and, and I'm, I'm preaching on that because that, that seems to be what people are trying to negative recruit Tennessee against, I don't see any signs of a position on this roster not being developed. And I, I do think, I said, this is my last point, I said this a couple of months ago after the draft. Like, I do think there is an element to needing Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman to go out and have some NFL success. You, you don't have to be a Pro Bowl guy. You know, you don't have to be all pro if you're Darnell Wright. But I do think Tennessee needs these guys, a Hendon Hooker, especially because the quarterback position is a hot topic when talking about Hypo. I do think you need some guys to have sustained careers sustained careers and, and stick around in the NFL and have at least a little bit of success because then I really think you can hammer home well Darnell Wright was a different offensive lineman before we got here we developed him into the number 10 overall pick and now look at him in the NFL he's having a successful NFL career I do think they need to have some of that as well 865-255-03 Swain event hotline we will get to the Betty Chevrolet text box when we come back from break stay with us Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain event app. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men's healthcare. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Freedom Motors is the local pre-owned car dealer who does more for you than any other dealer around. You want convenience? You can check out their entire line of vehicles online at freedommotorstn.com. And when you find what you like, they'll bring the vehicle right to your door. That's a dealer who cares about you and your time. Shop Freedom Motors today and let's get you in your new ride. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like all sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. 
Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. All right, welcome back. Swain Event Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Top, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. All right, the Beatty Chevrolet text box. Good stuff here on the text box this morning. Thank you for making the Swain Event part of uh, your day today. The Swain Event podcast will be available wherever you like to podcast. So make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure that you subscribe as well on, on YouTube. If you could do that, we would appreciate that. Those comments. Beatty Chevrolet, big month. A couple days left in July. Big red tag sale. All inventories marked down with their best price on the windshield. Biggest savement in years. Large inventory up to $10,000 off at Beatty Chevrolet. BeattyChevrolet.com. Come. All right, man. Let's get this text box. Scroll on down to the beginning. A lot of stuff here. Uh, good morning, Vol Storm. Vol, uh, Raleigh Vol says, We in here. Uh, Nila Mafia, good morning. Raleigh Vol says, Going to Dead End Barbecue before the uh, UTSA game. Uh, uh, will Swain be on the sideline for that one? Um, I, I plan on it. Yep, plan on it. Uh, Vol fan wants to know about an update from Zane Denton and Holman, please. And then we'll throw in Maui Ahuna. So um, if we can knock those three players out, man, quick little update. That'd be awesome for a guy, Vol fan, on the text box. Uh, I do not have an update on Zane Denton. Uh, that That is quiet. Uh, and it has been for a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see if he decides to to sign. Uh, he wanted to move on and begin his professional career. Nothing against Tennessee. Uh, I do think he enjoyed his year at Tennessee, but uh, guys want to play professional baseball. Uh, it's no different than football and basketball. That, that that's, the, that's the dream growing up, right? Uh, you you want to grow up to be a professional football player, basketball player, baseball player. So uh, when, when, that's, when that dream somewhat becomes a reality, you, you want to make that leap. So, I think that's that's really why he wanted to get drafted. But unfortunately, teams weren't really calling on him or, or really interested, from my understanding. And he wasn't really asking for a lot as well in terms of signability, uh, which that also tells me the fact that he was not asking for a ton of money and just was more so asking for an opportunity than, than money. That kind of tells me that he's a, a prime candidate uh, to sign an undrafted free agent deal. But I'm surprised that we haven't uh, heard yet of him signing with a team. So we'll see how that plays out. It's certainly interesting. You're bringing in Billy Amick. The plan is for him, the Clemson transfer to play third base. Uh, so that that is a, a wrench possibly thrown into Zane's plans, maybe. Uh, that that would be fascinating if Zane does come back. Can, can Zane and Amick both play third? I also think Amick may, may play a little second base. Maybe Simo gets thrown into the outfield a little bit. So that, those are more conversations for fall ball. But uh, – I don't have a an update on Zane Denton. Uh, it's, that one's been really, really quiet. And, and frankly, I'm surprised on July 25th, we do not have a resolution one way 
or the other. Maui Ahuna, he needs to sign with the Giants by 5 o'clock this afternoon. I, as somebody who follows Tennessee, am not paying super close attention to that situation, which should tell you where the situation is. I don't expect him to be back at Tennessee next year. Uh, I I would think that he signs at some point today, uh, but I also, on the other hand, would not completely 100% rule out a possible return. I I just think it is very, very, very unlikely, and I would be very surprised if if Maui Ahuna is returning to Tennessee next season, but we'll we'll see how the day plays out. Uh, And then Luke Holman, man, I'm ready for this recruitment to be over. (laughs) Absolutely ready for this recruitment uh, to be over, and and, and nothing on the, the Holman front. Um, but there are some some Mississippi State riders who have been very ignorant uh, in their coverage the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, they are saying that it is down to Mississippi State and LSU and that Tennessee has been eliminated and has faded. They've been saying that for about a week, week and a half now. I have heard the complete opposite. I, I have heard that it is down to Tennessee and LSU, and I would consider it a, a 50-50 uh, decision based off of what I have heard. I think that uh, the Holmans, especially his dad, ha- has a great relationship with Tennessee uh, and and really, really likes Frank Anderson. Um, and I've said this recently as well, I, I believe on this show, that I, I think Tennessee has built those relationships up as, as well as they possibly can uh, and have done all that they can. Uh, but the LSU baseball brand, it's the best in the country. It's hard to say no to especially after they just won a national championship. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I was told a decision could be Monday, Tuesday. It's Tuesday morning. Um, so we'll, we'll see if he makes a decision here shortly. I, I don't think he had a hard date of, yes, I'm committing at 12 o'clock on Tuesday. I think he wanted to be done with the recruiting process uh, on Monday or Tuesday. Um but seems like uh, the decision is still weighing heavy on him. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, again, Mississippi State people say it's down to Mississippi State and LSU. Tennessee people are saying it's down to, to Tennessee and LSU. And uh, if – I mean, I don't know how else to, to put this, but if if it is down to Mississippi State and LSU, then the, the, the camp of the player has been lying to Tennessee for the last, like, two weeks. And I don't believe, believe that to be the case. So we'll we'll see how that one plays out. All right, back to the Beatty Chevrolet text box. Vol Storm says, uh, Heupel could absolutely win a title with this uh, Tennessee offense, but he can't with the way the defense played last year. I don't think there's a offense in the country that could win a championship with the way our defense played from start to finish. There were some good moments in the season, but just as a whole, no, defense was not championship quality. Uh Raleigh Vall says, my question is, do you see hype running this system in 2030 or evolving to a different scheme? 2030? My goodness. This is what won't change with Josh Heupel. He is going to always be in attack mode offensively. So remember, the tempo can always change. It can fluctuate, fluctuate depending on personnel, what's going on in the game. Um, So he can go super fast, he can go fast, or he can slow it down. But looking at what Heupel did in Missouri and then looking at what Heupel has done at Central Florida and Tennessee, 
they were not all the same. But one thing that was same was attacking, utilizing every blade of grass on the football field and putting players in space. Like, that's not going to change. Um, thoughts on an all-white alternate, long socks, cleats included. Well, I hope cleats are included in the uniform. Just, you know, got to wear cleats on the football field. So all white, all white socks, all white cleats. Power T is orange. Um, that was that was Stormtrooper uniform in 03 and 04. I mean, I want to say 2015 had white cleats, but, I mean, we're talking about the the 04 alternate uniform with the white, with the uh, orange shoulder pads, then, yeah, I'm all for that. I am not for that gray jersey with the orange shoulder pads that's been floating around. Y'all can keep that. You can keep that. You can sell it at the store. and people want to buy it, that's cool. But I don't want to see that on Saturday. No, not, not, not at all. Not at all. I am team alternate jerseys. Uh, a game or two a year. Um, but that alternate jersey is absolute trash, and, and it should join uh, the the alternate jerseys from the Butch Jones era that appeared in stores and, and never appeared in a game. I believe those got shipped to uh, where Israel somewhere. Maybe? They had the checker. It was checkerboard shoulder pads. It was ugly. It was, it is is what it was. Yeah, it was I, I believe they went to a, a football league. In Israel, and those have kind of popped up in stories the last couple of years of, of the team that wears them. The the jerseys that we're seeing floating around now, they need to be shipped to Israel as well. I mean, hey, people want to buy them and wear them. That's cool, but I don't understand having jerseys on the racks that the players don't wear on the field. That's just me, but I'm I'm no fan uh, of those jerseys. I don't see that changing all right mississippi hall says good morning guys another good example i can think of is that oregon 2010 team they didn't win it but they came close to beating cam newton's auburn team that year and they got to the championship of course that offense had uh, some differences than our offense but it was spread no huddle type of offense if that team can make it i have no doubt we can as well great show as usual hope you guys have a good one yeah great message mississippi falls like it's not it's not about the offense. There's no questions about the offense. It's the defense coming more along whether or not this team can win a championship. Uh, QC Rodney, the other McKee, says, UG fans are such simps. They beat us like that because our offense play like trash, and they're playing D at an uber elite level. Man, they got to be... The Hall, Hall of Fame level soft. Yeah, I don't. I'll say this, man. If 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 my team that I was a fan of beat a team seven straight years, knocked a team out of the number one spot at home. Dominated the game, won a national championship for the second time. I would not be as insecure 
as we've seen some Georgia fans be talking about Tennessee. Like, Tennessee is Georgia's biggest competition in the East. But I don't know if we're nipping at the heels yet. I mean, Georgia fans acting like we we right there. Like, we right there nipping at those heels. Tennessee's offense, it works, man. Like, it it works. Defense need to come along. You, you had Lab McConkie have a career day. Didn't do anything all season long, but torched us. That's the problem. And then you didn't get any pressure on Stetson Bennett. That's the problem. So defense has to come along, and then yeah, you got to protect a little bit better. But that's hard to do when you have freaking Jalen Carter and, and swamp monsters like that. So trying to nitpick the offense and the, the style Georgia fans, like, that's that's not it. Like, that's, that's, that's not why – Georgia's going to beat Tennessee or Tennessee's going to beat Georgia. Like, it's about those trenches, man. That's that's what it's about. And the fact that Tennessee had an opportunity was because of Josh Heupel's system. If we're playing a regular offense, probably get beat even more because the personnel is not there yet. As simple as that. All right, I'm moving on. Of all fans, there's other teams criticize our offense because they are scared of Tennessee now and know that they can't keep up with our scoring. If or when teams figure out how to stop Josh Heupel's offense, he will adjust. He is very intelligent. You don't create an offensive style and just say it's a finished product. Heupel's offense will always evolve and adjust because he is crazy, smart, and super competitive. Like Josh Heupel didn't start being an offensive coordinator two, three years ago or even six years ago. He was coordinator at OU and Utah State. So he has plenty of experience adapting, changing styles, evolving. Um, but I just, this figuring out Hypo's offense, I'm just not using that lingo anymore because people know what Tennessee's doing. It's not a secret. Everyone is talking about it. More people have broken down Tennessee's offense and comparing it to Bart Browse this offseason than ever before. So people know it's just you've got to have the personnel to stop it. Do you have dudes in the back end that can run and can cover? you got to have four or five of those guys. The days of having two really good corners and then putting your third best corner that's that drops off dramatically from one and two at, at nickel and then putting your fourth corner – that's even worse than that. And, and then expecting that you're going to stop somebody on defense. Those days are over when you play against Tennessee because they'll go exploit cornerback number three and cornerback number four and put him on receiver number one that runs a 4-4 flat 40. That's what's going on. So can you have four dudes that, from a talent and execution standpoint, pretty close? Georgia did last year. And South Carolina in that game did because all our catches were tough, man. We we didn't create a lot of separation. From one to four, DB, South Carolina and Georgia did a great job. Nelson from uh, Jackson says, good morning from Orlando. Hashtag, we want Kai Bates, who will be making his announcement uh, tomorrow. How you feeling about that one, Ben? Uh, not great. You not feeling great about Kai Bates anymore? No. 
seems like uh, LSU has built up some momentum the last couple of days. Uh, as as expected. We'll see what happens. He is going to make uh, his announcement tomorrow. Uh, I don't see a a time. I'm looking on his 247 Sports uh, account. That probably means he's just going to tweet it out at some point. Here we go. Uh, 6.30. That's oh, yeah, that's right. School. He tweeted that out uh, on the 18th. So, um, tomorrow, 6.30, Kai Bates, the four-star corner, is from Orlando. We got to get Joe Milton in there. Joe Milton, Orlando product. All right. Uh, we already talked about Holman, which covered that from LC Vol. Raleigh Vol says, I was thinking 2030 because Knox and C Max kid would be nice in the wing T and hypo system. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see a wing T and hypo system. We might might be in shotgun. <laughs> I think they should go power high. Mm, I don't care what they do. Put up points. Uh, now, that's the other thing that, like, all these all these fans of opposing teams are, are knocking Josh Heupel's system and, and making the comments of, oh, all Heupel does is – is is wait for the DBs to be turned around and, and, and not in position and, and then hike the ball, and, and then that's the only reason that they're having success. No. Is there a little bit of truth to that? Maybe. Maybe just a little bit. I mean, that is why they run tempo. But all you're doing when you say that is admitting that, A, you don't watch Tennessee's offense on a regular basis. B, if you do watch Tennessee's offense on a regular basis, you don't know what you're watching. Because there are plenty of examples of hypo scheming plays up and, and scheming guys open. There were multiple instances last year in which uh, he, towards the end of the season, built built in different plays and, and, and formations and, and guys going in motion based off of things that he did earlier in the year. So it, it's not just based off of hiking the ball before the defense is ready. Is is that the reason for the tempo? Okay, sure. Yes, there's a little bit of truth to that, but it's just the 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 conversation around Heifel's offense is kind of amazing to me. Quite I honestly, love it. I love. Yeah, it. yeah. I, I mean, it's just I, I think a lot of it is people don't like it when Tennessee are good and they're they're trying to to nitpick and and put their spin and and twist on it and. Do, I, I've always said, like, yeah, I, I do think Heupel's offense is, is a little gimmicky. Like, you look up the definition of of gimmick and kind of some of the things that Tennessee's offense does, like, it, it speaks to, to that definition. But I've also always said there's nothing wrong with being gimmicky. Who, who cares what you do and how you do it as long as you get the result that you want? That that's the other thing that kind of baffles me. Who cares if if Tennessee's trying to catch the DB looking to the sideline or out of position? Is it producing points? Okay, that works perfectly fine. All right, now There's, now you now you now now you now you now you. I mean, we've had this conversation before, so I, I, I don't know. You you on you you going down that hill? The Tennessee you 
you and well, Wade had that uh, opinion for a little bit too. Hey, about, what what is the have you have you Googled the definition for gimmick? A trick or device and intended intended to attract attention. To me, that is tempo. I mean, you you can put me in my place and explain it to me differently, but I, I don't understand how the the wide wide receiver splits and 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 the tempo and and trying to catch guys. I'm not saying all of it is gimmicky. I said there is a portion of Tennessee's offense that is gimmicky, and there is nothing wrong with that. I just don't. I don't. I don't think it's gimmicky. Here's the reason: it's because all Tennessee is doing is running the two minute drill all the time. So I don't see that as gimmicky. And then like, all right, if you have a defensive lineman jump off sides in the neutral zone, he's in a neutral zone, he's not the ball. The rules allow you to continue to run the play and everyone knows, Hey, just take a deep shot. And if you get a complete pass, then you decline the five-yard penalty. If you have an incomplete, or even if it's intercepted, you still maintain possession, and you get a, a, a another opportunity. Um, so, yeah, like the two-minute drill, it's fast, it's up-tempo. Um, if you're caught on the football field with 12 people, there there's a penalty. Um, I just... I don't look at it as, as a gimmick. I just look at it as a two-minute offense that's ran for the entirety uh, of the game. And um, it's part of what we do. It's being consistent. I, I just feel like something that's a gimmick is short-lived. Um, it's not uh, sustainable. And there's not a really strong foundation. And I just I feel like since he's offense, is the opposite of that. So No, I, I definitely agree with what you just said for sure. I don't, I don't at all think that the offense as a whole is 100% gimmicky and, and not sustainable. And, and I've, I've done nothing but always speak highly of Hypo's offense. I've drooled over it on this show. Yeah, today. Yeah, 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 yeah. But th- there, there is a, a little deception and, and tricks involved. And by definition, that is a, a gimmick. That, oh, that's my only that's, point. That's, you look at a pro style offense and you run a reverse that is a form of deception because you're faking the ball going one way and going play. the other way. You're, that's not a gimmick play. It's just a normal play. And then you have play action where you put the ball in the belly of the running back and you pull it out and you throw it. That is another example of deception. That's no gimmick. That's no gimmick. I just think we got to take that word and throw it out of vocabulary when talking about this this offense because I don't look at it as, as gimmicky because it's something that other people do. They just do it in different ports. Uh, portions of the game, different parts of the game. So if, if Alabama is down with 30 seconds ago and they're at their own 10-yard line, they going up-tempo offense or they going normal speed? They're going up-tempo. We're just doing it all the time. So I just – I don't look at it as gimmicky. Um, like I used to hear the definition and kind of roll with it, but then after I looked up the definition and thought about it, I was like, man, this – this offense is not gimmicky. I think sometimes we look at things that are different and we try to put it in, in a box that's that's not normal from other things and try to make it less than. I know that's not what you're trying to do, 
But like, I think the word gimmicky just has a, has a ne- negative connotation to it, and I just I just don't think it's a gimmick. Like this thing is here to stay. Yeah, and and my main point going back to like what other people say about Tennessee's offense is, I completely disagree. My point was I don't have a problem if if you if you kind of mention that that it's gimmicky at times like that to me doesn't bother me it doesn't trigger me like it triggers most Tennessee people but I think where people go completely wrong is is where they want to make it out to to be like that's the only reason Heupel has success with his offense is because it is a gimmick offense like those people are wrong you're not watching or you don't know what you're watching yeah they don't they don't know man they don't know what they what they don't know um and that's 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 why I love it. I love that Tennessee's offense is is the conversation, and you got people saying a bunch of stuff that they don't they don't know about. I think it's I think it's great. I really I really do. I don't. And at the end that. of the day, who cares? It produces results. That there are teams out here running more pro style NFL friendly offenses, yep. like Kentucky tried to do last year with Will Levis, and they win what eight games? Yep. You, you, would Kentucky rather win the eleven games? Or the eight games, 100%. They, they can they can hype up their system that they're running this and and that. But at the end of the day, Tennessee's offense and system that they want to put down consistently, it gets more results, as much results as Jennifer Morris gets of Keller Williams Realty. And if you're in the house housing market looking for a new home, be sure to reach out to Jennifer Morris. And always remember, don't be a meat stick when you're looking for a new house. Reach out to Jennifer. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back, wrap everything up, hit the text box. Uh, Ben McKee, Go Falls 247, Jason Swain, uh, live here in the Low T Central Studio. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Stay with us. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. 
Guys, if you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low T. Schedule your annual health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low T Center or you just need the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. That's Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain, live from the Low T Center Studio. Jeffrey Moore said, call it what you want to call it. Just Brian Hunslicker says, our thoughts on uh, moving the hash marks in the, like uh, in the NFL will have effect on uh, the offense. Yeah, I saw Rondé wanting to, to to do something with the hash marks. Uh, I need to go back and really, really read everything that he said. Uh, so I it's can, more narrow in the NFL, right? Yeah, they're closer together. Tennessee. What what purpose would would that serve you? You think? I know you just said you need to yeah, go I need back to, and yeah, I need to go and, and and look at it. I just so the ball because the hash marks are are wider. If the ball is down inside of the hash marks, you just put the ball there. But like if the ball is ran to the right, I give you an example: Mizzou game, right? Jalen Jalen. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's touchdown, where he just simply walked in. There was a run to the right, and it went outside the numbers. I want to say it was almost, if not out of bounds. Well, that ball, because it went out of bounds, is set on the right hash. It allowed Tennessee to have all that room to the left, all that space, and it made Missouri have to cover all that space. And Tennessee was able to capitalize off of that. Um, and so, with more narrow hash marks, you don't create that same scenario if you're Tennessee. <laughs> oh, this this is funny. So I I, I googled the, this Ryan Day hash marks thing, and, and you'll never guess what is mentioned in the story. I'm sure Tennessee, Tennessee's offense. Uh, I, I'm not sure that Ryan Day said this, or or if this is uh, just the article, but. Ryan Day's quotes, uh, he was asked by Joel Klatt what rule he'd like to change. He said the hash marks, you know, putting the ball on a hash mark is just putting everybody in the smaller area of the field, and we're not playing outside the numbers to the field. I think putting the ball in the middle of the field, more like in the NFL, opens up the entire game, uh, and the this those are the only direct quotes we have from Day in the story. So I'm not sure if this is just the – the writer inflicting his opinion or, or writing off of what Day said as well. But uh, it says, for those that don't know what Day is referring to, he'd like to see the width of the hash marks get smaller, similar to the pro game. The distance between the hash marks is a big discrepancy when comparing the college and pro games. At the collegiate level, the hash marks are 40 feet apart. In the NFL, the hashes are just 18 feet and 6 inches. As Day explained, when the ball is on the left hash, the offense is restricted 
from running certain plays to that side of the field as they don't have as much room to work with. At the same time, certain teams use the wide hash marks to their advantage, like Tennessee, whose whole offense is predicated on making defenses cover the width of the field as their receivers often line up outside the numbers. Yeah, I mean... But wouldn't Tennessee's receivers, even if they narrow the hashes, wouldn't they still be able to line up outside the numbers? And and also, wouldn't that be to Tennessee's advantage if the hashes were more narrow? Because then you have the off the trenches and like the linebackers in a more centralized location in the middle of the field, which means there would be more space outside for Tennessee's receivers if they were still utilizing lining up as wide as they do. No, because like when the ball goes outside the hash to one side or the other, um, then the ball is put on that on that hash. And because the hash marks are wider, the ball is put on that hash, there's so much room on the other side of the football field. Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So like Jalen Hyatt's touchdown versus Mizzou where he was no one was close to him at all. There was so much space to cover. But if you had narrow hash marks that ball it pushes them more back towards the middle of the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. So there's less room to cover on either side. Yes. Where there may, it may be more room to cover on just one side. So that's why. That's an interesting topic for sure. Whatever. Josh Heupel will adjust. I know one thing. I enjoy these conversations about offense and gimmicks and, and hash marks and, and tempo. I enjoy these conversations about ball baby more than i enjoy these conversations about nil and transfer portals and conference realignment it's football season it's time to talk ball enough of that other foo-foo stuff it's time to get in the trenches put your hand in the dirt and bang heads that's that's what time of year it is speaking of ball jaron banks was cut by the buccaneers um no comment buccaneers made Change to their training camp roster. They now have an open spot on their 90-player roster ahead of veterans showing up on Tuesday. So that's not that's not ideal to get cut before the 90-player roster is shaved down. So if you have been following Tennessee for the last couple of years, it's hard to sit here and say that you're surprised. Uh, I, I thought Jerm Banks on the football field without all the clutter and mess and extra stuff had a chance because he he could be a good special teams player. But you got to be a professional at that level, 100%. And for him to get waived this early, a little bit of a red flag. Hopefully he gets picked up. There's a couple other leagues out there that he can be a part of if NFL doesn't work out, and I hope that happens for him. I want to see Jerome Banks playing playing football. I think football is important for him, and um, hopefully that happens. Uh, Raleigh Vall, as we wrap up, can Jennifer help me convince my wife to speed up our eventual move to Knoxville? Yes, she can. This is what Jennifer will do. She'll come in, she'll sit down with you, and she'll look at your wife in the eyes and she'll, and she'll say, look here, don't be a meat stick. Get up, 
let's move to Knoxville. I'll find you a house. I'll make the process and the transition easy. It'll be so much less stressful than than you're anticipating it being. I mean, Jennifer, she, she that's that's what makes Jennifer so great. Is she makes the whole process and whole transition easy. She she takes the burden of it and, and she takes it and runs with it and does all the work for you. And that's why she's the best. Yeah, and why you need to reach out to her and don't be a meat stick. Yeah, I don't know if that tactic is going to work, calling the wife a meat stick, but. Hey, try it out. You never know, man. Never know. Uh, Hiller, for this month, really cool specials uh, taking place. If you are in the market for a new HVAC system, this is the time uh, to replace it because Hiller this month is going to throw in two Yeti Trailhead camping chairs. Also, their Panga waterproof backpack, 28-liter backpack also their yeti tundra 75 that's the big cooler and two yeti tumblers for free so that's four different things that you're going to get from yeti from hiller when you decide to replace your home system um shout out to one of our listeners i won't i won't i won't mention his name but he reached out to me um he has some rental properties and different market in Knoxville and replace that HVAC system and tapped in to all uh, the free stuff from Yeti that in, that's included. So don't wait. If you know you want to replace that HVAC system, you might as well get some free stuff while you, while you're at it. More details, go to happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be, or the service is free. That is the guarantee at Hiller. Ben, did we miss anything? Uh, nope. I don't believe that we did. Again, like we mentioned earlier, it's the uh, the best time of the year. College football is here. It's not right around the corner. It's here. Guys report for training camp, fall camp, a week from today. Uh, the local media day will be a week from today. Uh, and then a week from tomorrow, a week from Wednesday, they begin fall practice practice number one next wednesday so it, it, it's football season baby it sure is and we'll be here to talk about it uh our next show thursday july 27th 8 a.m hope you are with us for ben mckee i'm jason swain peace and love we are out swain event fueled by daddy and barbecue